0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of IRI Growth Insights. I'm Joan Driggs, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Mike Elgus, Executive Vice President of Technology and Retail Media Platforms, and our special guest, Abby Subramanian, Senior Director and Head of Advertising and Partnerships, Sam's Club Media Group. I'm excited about our topic today, Retail Media Platforms, because even though they're not new, um, they're still newish, and I believe misunderstood and undervalued. I view them as an amazing opportunity for brands to connect with shoppers in a much more targeted manner. And okay, I'm going to stop because my enthusiasm is getting a little bit ahead of me. So let's <laughs> back up a little bit and. Keep I on. like how
1: you're showing examples. To us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Our viewers can't see my hands flying they around. Know. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: if you hear a big knock, you know I just hit the microphone. Um, so I want to give Abby and Mike a chance to say hello and tell us a little bit more about your roles and how you two have worked together. So, Abby, welcome. And why don't you kick us off?
1: Yeah, I'm super excited about this podcast that I'm doing at um, Michael Giz and the IRI team. Um, just to give you a little bit of my background. Uh, a bachelor's in computer science and engineering. Um, I grew up actually watching Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and Narayan Murthy, the founder of Infosys, great leaders and what they're able to accomplish with, uh, with the dot-com boom happening, the internet of things, technology as a service, you can name it, right? Start off with building enterprise applications, had the passion for building technology solutions very soon, realized the importance of retail and the concept of knowing your consumers and the competitors well enough Went to school in Michigan, got my master's done, had a great stint working for several consulting firms, um, Cognizant, KPMG, to name a few, Over the 10 to 12-year time frame. Picked up on analytics, getting into the marketing analytics space, spent some time at Dell supporting their North American consumer side of the business. Went to KPMG, did a lot of work at Microsoft and T-Mobile within their CIO advisory practice and customer strategy growth practice. Um, again, more along the lines of loyalty program development, CRM, personalization, consumer marketing and strategy before I assumed the key role at SAMS. And to kind of really reflect on what we do right now, you know, it's it's exactly the reflection of the perfect intersection of marketing and technology and what we are doing to disrupt the space of retail media and the topic we are connecting today. Um, I, I, would, I would like to turn it over to Michael Gus.
2: Well, I think disruptive is a good way to describe it, Abby. You know, I, I have a background in uh, CPG marketing from uh, Kraft Foods and then spent some time a retailer in Bentonville called Walmart, uh, leading that uh, retail marketing team. And about four years ago, I joined IRI to start architecting the solutions that marketers need within the liquid data platform that IRI has. And it's just been amazing to be able to take the analytic power Put it on, you know, figuring out the right customers to communicate with, and then having a great mission on the back end. And uh, Abby and I have been working together for about three years, I think. And you know, he has really pushed us to innovate and and keep building on the, the foundational solution. And uh, it's it's really re- resulted in a, a wonderful product.
0: That's nice. That's great, and um, helpful because it it does help set the stage and. I also want to level set a little bit. You know, I liken the rise of retailer-owned media platforms to be kind of similar to e-commerce, and I'm I suspect that there is a strong tie in there. Um, they both grew significantly during the pandemic. Um, adoption of e-commerce, for example, was really humming along nicely pre-pandemic. You know, growing more than twenty percent from 2018 to 2019, but the pandemic really pushed it up um, to growth of just shy of 60%. So incredible. Similarly, you know, with these retailer media platforms, we've really seen a boost because people are searching and shopping online. Um, And that's creating more traffic to monetize, right? So discovery, as we know, like in the store has really shrunk. um, And it's grown online as people kind of shift where they're spending their time. So today, we're going to talk about these media platforms and learn about some of the upsides and the downsides and, and where we're going in this what I consider a still burgeoning business. So Mike, let's start with you. What are some of the changes the pandemic brought that make retailer media platforms a more viable option than traditional?
2: Yeah, I, I think two factors, Joan. First of all, you had a change in consumer behavior, right? Where you just had people in stores less often, people looking at ways they could order groceries online and, and you know, shifting their behavior to finding what they they need in a digital environment. On the, the retailer side, you had to pull back in some of the traditional ways you could talk to customers, whether that was demos or or maybe you know things that they might see in the store. And so I think we've really sped up a timeline on what we expect to happen, but just much more quickly now than we expected. And I think some of that uh, plays out in just how people are actually interacting. Um, it's a much more omnichannel experience. I'm sure, Abby, you're seeing both and what you're doing with, with pickup and direct to home and such.
1: Absolutely, Mike. Um, spot on comments and I cannot agree more. We clearly saw the shift in member behavior um, with with pandemic kicking in um, from shopping in club, well, like you talked about, and the transformation into like pickup and delivery to home. We saw a huge spike in traffic across all platforms, right? You name the metrics, visits, sales, orders, everything were up, right? Um, mobile engagement went up significantly. App orders were up in record triple digits um, year over year you know, thanks to Sam's Club leadership and support, we rolled out curbside pickup nationally across all clubs in the middle of the craziness. Um, And and in terms of like the new members shopping online, overall, we experienced growth um, that's within the striking distance of triple digits year over year, if I could put it that way, uh, because of the sensitivity. Um, Within curbside, it was really a triple digit growth, right? Massive growth, massive shift in consumer behavior, and we truly believe at Sam's Club, this shift in behavior that we are seeing with our members is here to stay, right? And we are we are continuing to see that uh, being built um, on that momentum, even trying to coming out of the pandemic now into the new fiscal.
0: That kind of sets the stage for like why there's a case for retailer platforms. But I really like to kind of back up a little bit and learn a little bit more about them. Um, when did you know, retail media become a thing?
2: <laughs> you know, I, I think it's been around for a long time, but it's just become much more sophisticated, uh, Joan. know, there was a time when uh, everything was mass reach tactics and, you know, you were attempting to kind of interrupt the, the customer shopping pattern. Now, as you talked about digital, there's such an easy way to interact, whether it's helping somebody build an online shopping list or whether it's helping them navigate the store with a, a good retailer app, right? So I think um, what's interesting is you know the whole digital interaction is relatively new, I think, for some of our, our teams. And Path to Purchase just put out a really interesting... Um, analysis where they asked about retail media networks and asked you know, our supplier partners how they felt about them. And it was a real mixed bag. You had about 25% that said it's not working at all. It's a money grab. You had about 50% that said that it was, was actually working as well or better than what they do. And then you had 25% that said you know, the jury's still out for us. So, you know, there's a real um, difference, I think, in both um, how people are viewing the opportunity, but also how different retailers are are activating against it. And uh, I think there's a lot to be learned from what SAMS is doing, because if you look at kind of the scorecard that the Path to Purchase Institute used... People want access to data. they want transparency on you know, how their campaigns are performing. And they really want a measurement that makes, helps them understand what elements are, are working the best. And as I looked through the scorecards, I thought there was a real honest correlation between how well you know the retailer has gotten to bright against those metrics. And how they were rated in the survey, so it seemed like it was it was definitely uh, at least directionally accurate.
0: Well, and I know measurement is huge, um, and that is a a big um, asset here. But Abby, can you talk a little bit more about what you offer? What do your products look like, and what's the what's the draw there?
1: Absolutely, Joanne, and I love the comment Mike made around um, the post-purchase survey that just came out, and really hits the point around why we in fact had IRI in the first place, right? We wanted someone, um, a third party reputable organization kicking in who have been in this business, serving the CPG organizations on the national media side, kind of bring in this unbiased approach, right? I wanted to kind of seclude the opportunity of not evaluating you know, our own homework um, for everything that we do within the advertising space, precisely why we wanted all of these perspectives uh, that need to be drawn across the metrics that we are looking at in terms of evaluating the performance of the advertising programs. Getting on the point around um, the new ad products and what we have done, until last year, it was predominantly display advertising. Um, that too heavily skewed towards desktop and an web platform, right? Last year, it was timely indeed. We launched mobile app ads, and I would call that a breakthrough because of all the shift in behavior, and the engagement that we are seeing with our members. Um, to put it in context, we have about three to four units in every app page, from homepage to browse to search and PDPs, it was a huge leg up, right? As you very well know, as the shift in behavior happens, it results in incremental traffic. When it results in incremental traffic, it creates new ad inventory. And the work that we do in, in, in like behavioral targeting and, and choosing the right audiences, and then going after the right brand strategy in place allows us to connect the dots and deliver the right set of experiences for our members. We're now ad-serving even the POVs uh, within the app, which is going to get started shortly. And, and what it does, it helps with viewability and tracking conversion for supplier ads. Um, we can kind of bring that experience together and, and we can now get rich data for suppliers. Previously, it was not possible because it was all natively served. And now we can talk about the sales slip reporting. Um, And and this year, we are launching sponsored search, um, partnering with Criteo, uh, bringing in their retail media platform, scratching the surface today, but it will be expanding very soon. It creates new real estate on the site. And more importantly, um, unlike just randomly adding new ad units um, to the perception of like how people think about it, we are uber focused on delivering the right member experience Kind of bringing the marketing and the commerce experience together, and by doing that, we really believe um, we should be able to land the messages appropriately to the right segments that brands want to go after and be able to drive the right conversion.
2: Okay. Yeah, and I I would add, Abby, like you know, what I think is cool about what you're doing is you're you're really looking at return on ad spend to kind of guide that. Right, your measurement breaks down how the app perform versus how those. Uh, POVs work on your website, so you understand both in aggregate and for specific, you know, categories and brands, what's working best. Um, Joan, I don't know how many people have seen the Sam's app, but one of the things that's I think super cool about it is it recognizes whether you're in the store or when you're at home, and so we know whether you're in list building mode, you know, outside the club actually standing in the club and that message can be tailored for what that need state is. And that to me is, you know, real innovative. That's that's really cool.
0: That is, that's very innovative. You know, and Mike, I want to touch on something that you mentioned previously, and that is, you know, that a lot, there's some mixed perception out there on these um, on retail media platforms, you know um, CPGs you mentioned are feeling that they're being strong armed by the retailers they're already giving their trade dollars to these retailers. Um, so how are you getting them to view retail media in this new light, you know, with these new solutions? What does the conversation look like? I
2: think uh, there are teams that are doing well and teams that are not, as you saw in the kind of survey results. Citing. And one of the things I have found is I think the folks that are most satisfied are Staff appropriately for the toolbox that's available to them. You know, if you have a team that is only familiar with um, trade planning and pricing, that's terrific. It's a valuable skill set. But if you're going to be effective on these platforms, you have to have the marketing background of understanding who it is that you want to talk to and what message is going to change their behavior. And, you know, one of the things that I see sometimes is grouping. Um, uh, uh, a brief, if you will, for the campaign that they want to run that isn't focused on a homogenous target. You know, it's this and that and that and that, and you you start to lose the power of of who you're talking to and what you want to say to them when you. And so, I, I think that my challenge to you know the kind of ecosystem, if you will, be to bring the same discipline that we see with national brand um, type campaigns. And bring it to these retailer-specific uh, environments because then you can really line it all up. And, and I, I believe you will see results. Um, certainly, you'll get a scorecard, so that you'll know uh, whether it's working or not at Sam's Club.
0: Well, and it would be. I guess what you're, what I'm hearing from you is that just as you tie your trade spend with your national spend, it's it's that same mindset, um, right? You want it to be aligned, but it's a very different medium. And you have to know it. And I think that right now they've got different people dealing with tra- traditional trade spend and different people dealing with that national campaign, right? Well,
2: I it can- is definitely an organizational challenge, I think, for some organizations. Now, I am seeing a trend towards having more shopper marketing teams that are reporting into a brand structure where you're starting to line up that uh, kind of virtual uh, funnel, right, of what you're doing to create a awareness, what you're doing in performance marketing and kind of the, the various paths in between and you know how best to be relevant uh, in how people are shopping. And I don't know, Abby, as, as people are, are working with your team, you're, you're probably seeing a blend from brand teams to salespeople, I would guess.
1: Spot on, Mike. I think it's a challenge on both sides, right? Uh, the one thing that stood out for me, uh, the comment that you made around the homogenous group, right? Uh, more importantly, as you're thinking about it, you need the right people and with the right mindset to talk about it, right? Um, Let me me give you a little bit of a perspective around how we work with brand teams and the e-commerce teams, right? While we got to focus on having the right people on the seats kind of bringing this together, what also stands out from a tactical standpoint is the expectations around... Um, you know, what do they like to see, right? Um, What they really like, for example, within SAMS is the access to our members, right? The behavioral targeting, the leveraging purchase intent data to better carry to the brand strategy and the ability to further dive into like the different criteria they can apply on the audience segmentation tool that you guys have built for us. Um, That is what is getting them excited, right? So we at SAMS take um, more of a use case driven approach which I would say a less taken um, path um, with many shops out there, with many other retailers trying to do the same thing on the the retail media side. But we have seen this approach working really well for us, largely. And we don't open up the conversation by selling just the media tactics, right? But we rather start like really with enabling access to our members um, and then take a use case driven approach like I talked about. I'll give you a a few examples. Um, New item launch. Driving increased category consumption, cross category, driving omnichannel behavior, um, to, to name a few. Now you can see the, the messaging and the spark and the, and, and the, and the bulb going out, um, thinking through, like now it's making all of, a, all of a more meaningful sense for CPG organizations because now we're starting to talk um, or speak the same language that they're also trying to solve on their side and the problems that they're dealing with. And, and from the funding standpoint, um, I also like how you put it. Largely, there is a perception that, you know, um, retail media is being dictated and operated within just the trade funds and the local teams. Um, but But we have seen evidences there is a strong shift from national brand dollars, like you said, to the retailers, but it is being consciously managed by the brands, right? Let me put it that way. I want to be careful about the language there. We do see brands being open about shifting dollars from the national media side closer to facilitate the bottom of the funnel conversations and drive the needed conversion. Um, The challenge here is how do we really stay open on the partnership mindset that we just reflected on, but build on that momentum to drive further confidence um, that it is not only just driving the bottom of the funnel and kind of work through the path of like, we can also build the brand equity for them. Um, I remember having a conversation with you, Mike, and some of our CPG partners in the room where they were concerned about opening up the dollars and really going back to the national teams and asking for more. But I think if we can build that confidence, I think it's it's a crawl, walk, and run approach, prove them that we can really facilitate the bottom of the funnel conversations, which is a no-brainer with access to the member data and how we enable access to our members and how we want to drive the conversion for the brands. And by doing that in parallel, we want to jointly build the business case. And we have already proved to main in many instances that we can also build the brand equity for them. By doing that, it allows us to convince our CPG partners to open up their wallets and really start thinking about how to wisely spend those dollars because of the transparency and, and the results that they're getting um, from their um, media investments as well. And, and one last thing I would also bring up is the key is to line up our thought process closely with what they're trying to do from a national media standpoint as well. And Mike, you and I have reflected on this many, many times. Um, The opportunity here is, how do you define the shared objectives and also kind of put this in a way where it supplements and complements the approach of what they're taking from a national media standpoint, building the right brand equity, sending the right signals across the board through multiple channels, but kind of use that to resonate with the designated set of uh, targeting segments whom we know really well about the psychographics, demographics, you know their purchase behavior, and be able to really help the media activations that that they have on the retailer side kind of work in conjunction with what they're trying to do on the national media side as well. That's where really it ends up being a win-win scenario and it helps us really um, unlock the incremental economic value that they wanted to see, and what we wanted to reflect on in terms of the growth that we want to bring in.
0: Okay, so cool. Absolutely. I love, yeah, I love the I love the idea of the shared goals because it is, you know, the more you're speaking the same language and everybody wins, the more you're going to like come together in the middle and and everybody wins. Um, I'd <laughs> like to kind of pivot to to talk a little bit about what some of those successful campaigns. Look like? Like, you know, if you could provide like a checklist of this, this, and this. And I know everything is going to be different based on those goals on either driving awareness or, you know, driving sales, whatever it happens to be. But what does success look like?
2: So, Jen, I'll jump in here to kind of build on what Abby was saying about alignment with national. You know, we sometimes have moments of change, and certainly COVID was one of those. And we talked a lot as a company about what we were seeing with people coming back to center store categories that they hadn't bought in a while. Uh, Maybe it was Kraft mac and cheese was, you know, comfort food. And it was something that uh, all of a sudden was, relevant again for some households that had forgotten how yummy it is. And so, um, you know, it's one thing to see that trend and it's another thing to be able to actually execute against it. So, you know, IRI nationally supports um, purchase-based audiences and we did a lot of work Uh, with national brands, but then they could cascade that to exactly what was happening at places like Sam's Club to say, you know, not only do I see this behavior, but I can learn about who are these people, what have they switched from, are they incremental to the category? And so you start to kind of understand what is it going to take to keep them buying? And then what's amazing about, you know, the, the platform like what SAMS has is you can follow behavior over time. And so, you know, the folks that were exposed to a campaign, do they can continue to buy? Do they need another nudge to, to continue to buy? And um, so if you think of that overarching example of, of really, you know, a behavior that we can all understand, we see those types of behaviors in smaller ways with each brand as you know you get through seasonal cycles you have new buyers you have lapsed buyers and when um i think campaigns are built around understanding that group of people and you know what is their barrier to buying again or what do they need to to um, continue to buy. Those campaigns are very successful because you've got a homogenous target, you understand what the message uh, needs to be. And then, you know, the retail platform gives you the ability to kind of understand when you need to talk to them again, because you, you can see ongoing purchase cycle. And I, I think that's the, the last point I'd make is there's an opportunity to have more of an always on mentality um, on these platforms because of the fact that you are are, working through a scenario where the retailer is serving the customer and has this ongoing relationship. And so if you structure your media to be always on and reacting instead of trying to create these um, campaign uh, spikes, it's more um, efficient for the advertiser. And candidly, I think it, it serves the consumer better, too.
1: I love how you talked about always-on approach, Mike. Um, just bring it back. Our vision when we when we first started is to really create a flywheel. Um, the term that I would always feel um, take the pride in, in talking through is enabling insights to action, right? To the always-on approach that you're talking about. We built a massive ad platform, right? We named it Member Connect. Um, uh, powered up by the technology that you guys brought on board that has all the core elements of the media platform, right? We talked about audience building, the infrastructure needed to facilitate the closed loop targeting, measurement, and and, and, and to kind of facilitate the whole end-to-end lifecycle of the campaign, um, starting from uh, creating the campaign, launching and reporting out on the performance of the campaign, right? The goal is really to help leverage analytics to get to the insights quickly. We don't want suppliers to spend like 80% of the time swimming through the data lakes, trying to even understand what are they getting at, right? So our job is to turn that around in terms of the push versus a pull and and allow what you guys have done, um, helping us build the, the insights platform to be able to facilitate the discussion to get to the root cause of the problem and get to the insights quickly. And now what happens is once you have the insights, you move the needle quickly into what do you do with those insights, right? Now you're facilitating the conversation on the activation side and framing up the hypothesis to go test a few things and be able to come back and say whether you were able to fix the problem, right? And and, and when you do that, historically, you know there, there used to be a phase where when you, you invest certain dollars on the retail media side, you wait for like six weeks for the campaign to get over, um, and then you provide um, the, the post-campaign reporting. But I think there is a little bit of like a sense of urgency here with even knowing whether my dollars um, and, and the strategy that I've outlined uh, is actually doing the magic or not, right? So it's important for us to open up the opportunity to optimize their spend. And even during the flight of the campaign, how do we help enable a framework where um, they can actually see the different elements and how the media is facing What are the raw transaction rates? And how do you really help facilitate the conversation of optimizing the media spend to maximize the ROAS? Then what happens is we take a proactive approach there. And then we also open up like the ability for suppliers to track customers over time and and build a lifetime value that we talked about, right? Uh, the, the, The conversation doesn't stop with, all right, we ran the program. Here's the post campaign reporting. Great, we got the incremental uh, marketing sales that you unlocked and the ROAS, but really take the conversation further to say, um, who are the people you converted, right? And and what do you have to do to re-engage with them and build that lifetime value? And who are the people who you didn't convert and what else you need to do to be able to get them hooked into the categories that you want to connect with and be able to drive the conversions, right? So that's where the magic happens. And I love the framework that we're talking about here because it's just not about the transparency, but it's more about facilitating the end-to-end discussion that we just talked about, right? I think there's a massive learning to unpack there.
0: And I feel like, you know, I, I had wanted to ask you about measurement, and I feel like you just really <laughs> kind of played out a number of, of ways that, Companies can measure their success in real time. And, and it all flows in with that flexibility of these. Um, Cause to me, like at the end of the day, these are your valued customers too. And you are here to serve your customers, but you're also trying to make the best ROAS for these, you know, CPGs at the same time. So um, such a unique place where we are right now. Okay, so you've outlined some of like what could be a successful campaign, and a lot of it is around flexibility and test and learn, but what about some of the tools that really deliver, again, some of the measurements that your advertisers might be looking for?
1: A lot of things, Joanne. I think we talked about the in-flight optimization. That's critical. Um, being able to provide that visibility for CPG organizations to know what's happening, during the flight of the program and how to optimize their media spend and to be able to work towards maximizing the ROAS right Um, not many times you get to see the significant lift between the test and control but there are a lot of signals that we can send um, um, to the shopper marketers on what's happening to their programs by looking at a channel level across different channels what the raw transaction rates look like to be able to better articulate where should they optimize um, the media and, and kind of um, really impact the program during the flight of the program so that it doesn't become um, after the game or after the fact that you have to just take the learning forward to the future programs. The other thing I would also talk about is the clarity around the the metrics that we put out there, right? It's just not about the marketing, sales, and ROI. Um, given we are a membership-driven organization, and um, we wanted to really present a comprehensive view of the summary of the program, right? Um, we have um, work in progress, um, and, and I think we are doing a better job showing membership-driven metrics. Mike, I loved how you created the new buyer opportunity um, at, at any program that you run you're able to go back and, and now talk about how many new buyers the brands converted uh, through the targeting and, and the media programs that have it right? And, and also similarly around the repeat purchase behavior and, and further breaking down um, e-commerce metrics, um, not just talking about the overall ROI, but to be able to make it easier for CPGs to understand where the conversion is happening and, and within curbside, what was the conversion and, and what does that look like for delivery to home? A lot of this helps unpack um, the, 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 the spend and be able to go after the strategy that brands wanna go after, right? And um, Previously, we were not able to facilitate any of these conversations, but now given how we are telling the story and how we are sh- um, driving clarity across those metrics, it's it's actually helping CPG organizations to think about how to bring that strategy down into the meaningful set of activations to help realize the ROI and the conversion.
0: All media, um, all investments changed in 2020 during the pandemic. Um, a lot of trade spend was pulled back. What do we see moving forward now that we're kind of coming out of the pandemic? How are things going to change? How are you going to get… Um, you know, some of these CPGs back in the game and maybe leaning a little more heavily on retail media platforms?
1: Uh, I love the question and, and and what Mike talked about in terms of the journey to um, further deeply think about retail media um, seriously. Um, what he saw is a bit of uh, a panic behavior across many of our suppliers um, in, in a good way, right? Even with bigger CPGs we work with. For no fault of anyone, um, given things are out of stock, there is, um, you know, constraints on the supply chain, not having the needed inventory, you know, they came to a conclusion too soon, convincing themselves it's okay not to advertise in this space, right? I mean, what do you advertise on when you don't even have items on the shelf, right? So we had to kind of, it was a tough spot. We had to turn that conversation into why they should advertise, why they must advertise um, during this time. A lot of the perspectives IRI I brought together, our point of view really crystallized into, um, you know, there is risk of losing shoppers when their loyalties are being tested by the current circumstances um, that we just talked about, right? Because of pandemic. Great way to build relationships with new buyers and retain them. Um, because others are spending less on advertising, um, and the, and the panic situation that I just talked about was happening. Brands have the opportunity to stay bold and go and capture the share of voice, um, you know, than during a normal situation. Um, the brands that advertise during an economic downturn like this outperform in their categories for years to come. Right, goes back to the the equity that we need to build and to be able to balance that out with also the bottom of the funnel activities. Um, I, I really like what Mike and team did, bringing in perspectives around how CPGs reacted to a crisis like this, right? Um, Mike had examples of Hurricane and like how CPG organizations reacted and also had good examples of there are certain brands who did it consciously in a meaningful way and they saw the results. Those insights that we brought in front of CPG organizations were very timely and it really helped bring the message across and, and keep the momentum going. You know, I think
2: Sam's is such an interesting place to learn because they're true omni-channel. They have a significant um, dot-com business. They have a significant pickup, I think, is now available in every club, Abby, or virtually every club. And I know a lot of the questions I get asked as we look at campaign performances, how did it split out across uh, those channels? Are people, you know, moving between them and, and how do we serve a customer that's shopping in new ways? And because we've got a multi-year history of, of purchase, we can see those shifts in behavior and whether they're temporary, or whether they continue. And I think you'll see this year people investing more in the customer shopping uh, via online tools, because I think a lot of people did it out of necessity, but now love the convenience, love the experience and want to keep up with it. And so new challenge for marketers to get on the list, stay on the list uh, and and win with a customer that's shopping differently. You can learn a lot in an environment like Sam's where you can see all three of those behaviors happening in the same environment.
1: Excellent. Spot on, Mike. I think it enables the connection points we talked about and, and also scale the platform in a way that we can facilitate the longitudinal view conversations that, uh, that we we didn't get an opportunity to do so before, right? The sophistication of the platform and the technology, what you guys are doing and bringing the um, cross-channel exposure views, um, the brand teams can now connect on The strategy uh, that you talked about, the opportunity, whether it's a broad performance marketing or specific e-commerce goals, how do we put the right metrics to help facilitate those conversations and really keep it a test and learn and an open platform where they can come in and learn. And I truly believe these are the distinctive set of advantages that um, CPGs get being part of the retail media and to be able to learn and unlock that incrementality that they wanted to see and drive their brand equity at the end of the day
0: given that we're still relatively new at this um, even if it's been around for a while, what are you anticipating for the future? Um, You know, what, what's on the horizon?
2: Well, I'll build on what Abby said, because I think measurement is key and I think in flight um, or in campaign measurement is, is really what advertisers are asking for. And the, the beauty again of the, platform is everything comes together daily in Sam's environment. Um, We know what's sold and we bring back uh, the exposures from everywhere, whether it's offsite in the app. And so you've got the opportunity to know very quickly what's working not that. And, you know, I think we're encouraging people to to have more um, ways to optimize by having different creative approaches so that you can, you know, of switch in flights and to have a broad plan so that you can start narrowing in on which aspects of the media plan are working. And so I, I think the promise of performance marketing, Joan, is going to get taken to a, another level. And I think uh, the folks that are investing and in being able to take advantage of that um, are, are going to just have results that speak for themselves and will you know attract uh, investments. And to your earlier point, be Hyper relevant because as you optimize a campaign, it means you're talking to the right people in the right way, and that's what everybody really wants on the consumer side as well. Wouldn't you agree, Abby?
1: Absolutely, we are learning a lot, like you said, Mike, and and we want to build it the right way, right? With all the skepticism that we're seeing, this is still an evolution, right? The disruption is happening, and how exciting it is to be part of that disruption in the industry, right? Um, in terms of like, here is here is how I would recap it. Um, In terms of new ad placements, you know, we wanted to really focus on um, sponsored search and the curated search experience that we talked about, right? We truly believe in bringing the marketing and the commerce experience together. As we're launching sponsored search solution, the focus is going to be more on the relevancy and getting that experience right. And the CPGs and, and our suppliers should get excited about what we're doing with scan and go and, and what that experience can deliver and drive the needed member behavior like you talked about, right? Knowing where they are and how to serve them up, um, it's it's critical. There is a strong appetite with data partnerships uh, with advertisers. I've been bombarded with those requests. Yeah. And part of this is there is a strong desire from CPG organizations to learn Um, about their consumers, and they're doing a lot of activations on their side, Um, in a meaningful way, if we can bring them together, we are onto something there, right? We need to unpack that opportunity and and do it in a meaningful way, obviously keeping member privacy in mind and consumer privacy in mind too, right? Um, With with the increasing set of loss um, put out there, um, uh, the, the consumer concerns, I think we have to really do it um, and facilitate it in a clean room setup, and I think you guys have done a phenomenal job of of setting that framework for us where we don't have to tell who the members are, but actually translate that into the context of um, um, being good enough to be able to serve and target um, it doesn't matter where the activation is happening and to be able to bring it back to the closed room um, ecosystem and, and, and working with partners like LiveRamp and, and Trade Desk and AppNexus, everything that you, you you touched on, to be able to really drive clarity on that incrementality. Um, and, and, and again, in the context of without sacrificing the member privacy is critical. And speaking of member privacy, I think five years back... The, largely, the advertising business was dictated by the, the cookies and and what like Google's and Facebook, um, you know, and 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 um, um, Amazon largely was able to do within the e-commerce space. I think as we're as we're kind of marching into this space, we are going into this cookieless world, and and it's fast approaching. And as as you can recollect, with Apple's recent move to make it more an opt-in um, way of getting into receiving the ads and the consumer privacy laws we just talked about taking its own shape, we are positioned very uniquely to drive even better conversations, right? By delivering the, the right member experience we talked about. A lot of our tech partners, LiveRamp, AppNexus, TradeDesk, and a big brother Walmart has built with TradeDesk, for instance. It's It's almost a reflection of the clean room that we talked about they paved the way to operate seamlessly in a cookless environment for us. And I really feel uh, it's a unique relationship as a retailer that we are building with our consumers and how a lot of what we are building in terms of authenticated visitors on the app and, and how we learn to operate within our owned and operated properties is going to be really be driving the conversations forward. And, Grabbing the attention from CPG organizations to why they should be taking retail media seriously. Wow, that's
0: fantastic.
2: yeah. I, privacy is 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 huge. We all take it super seriously, and uh, you know the um, relationship that you have as a retailer with your customer is is so unique. People are choosing to pull out the membership card every time they come in, and what they expect in return is is relevance. Right, help me find. Things that are going to delight me help me uh, get you know the messaging that that's right for what I might enjoy based on what you know about my my purchase history and in a, a de-identified anonymous way because you know that's that's what the expectations are and you know Abby is do you talk about all of the folks that in your uh, MarTech stack and and growing, as you mentioned, Critio earlier. That's been, I think, one of the challenges for us as a tech platform, as well as one of the things that's made it most enjoyable, is it's very much an open platform. It's a very um, robust, multi-channel touch that you have. And to be able to bring that back together seamlessly and to be able to see what's working across all those choices is something that again I think is very unique in in retail media and is, is going to be the uh, the expectation forward because uh, there's not that many places where you can bring it all together uh, seamlessly and and understand how often you're you're talking to a customer and what aspects are, are most effective conversation and so um, I, I've just had a lot of fun watching. Your uh, platform expand and and our relevance increase, and and seeing how it all can come together um, is is just a fascinating study to be a part of.
1: This
0: is awesome. This has been a great conversation, and I particularly like how you know we we wrapped it up really by focusing on the shopper because at the end of the day, that is the most important thing. But I do want to highlight a couple things that um, that I heard during this. And one is that um, retail media platforms are that are that perfect intersection of marketing and technology. Um, so we know that this is the future. Um, retail media is different, um, but it's a highly targeted platform, and it should be viewed as part of the trade spend, but with a completely different lens. You know, and and I think that that is something that companies really have to come together on, um, and appreciate the the targeted. Um, ability that that comes with it. Um, I really liked the the now the information you know the all the measurement um, things that you talked about, particularly knowing you know who's seen the campaign and how to change the messaging or tweak the messaging, um, and knowing when to talk to those um, consumers. I like the the statement that Mike made of always being always on and reacting. Um, to serve the the consumer better. And of course, really focus on the relevancy and getting the experience right. Um, So it's a continually evolving platform. Um, But wow, what fantastic momentum. So with that, I want to thank you both for your time and um, hope that we can talk again soon.
1: Absolutely. Love that.
0: Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.